What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Tiffany Hoyd, and you're listening to Hogs Havens Riled Up. We're bringing you the hottest red skin topics with a twist. Here to discuss some of that twist is none other than Alana Bearfield from Boston, Massachusetts, by way of Xavier University of Louisiana. Welcome to the show again, Alana. Thank you so much for having me, Tiffany, and I can't wait to talk about the Super Bowl, the future for the Redskins, and everything that has to do with football. Yeah, the Super Bowl was great. Were you going for the Chiefs or the 49ers? Okay, don't laugh. I I was rooting for the 49ers. I thought I thought they had it, but they lost their momentum, as you could see, towards the end. Um, but honestly, I'm happy for Mahomes. You know, he's the third African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl. He was MVP last year, and he's only 24 years old. This is a lot about his talent and a lot about where this team can go. Correct, correct. Mahomes did it. He's one of three. And he got it done. He got MVP. It's a great future, a bright future for black quarterbacks in the league. It's been coined the year of the black quarterback because everywhere you looked, it was a black quarterback getting it done. From Russell Wilson to Lamar Jackson to Deshaun Watson to Patrick Mahomes. The list goes on and on. There are just so many weapons. And these aren't your prototypical black quarterbacks. These guys are staying in the pocket. Or, or they're um, throwing a 70-yard deep ball. They're not running up and down the field. Not that that's a bad thing, but um, we definitely stepped out of the stereotype in this year. Right, and they're making their presence known. And I think that's what it's all about, especially how NFL is changing. There's a lot of talented players coming up. But making your presence known is one of the things that you need to do, especially playing at this level. And speaking of making your presence known, we have a very, very special guest with us here today, Alana. Cornelius Green. I'm excited. Say it one more time. Cornelius Green. I, okay, risk and Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is a part of that twist we're always talking about. Cornelius Green was the first black quarterback at Ohio State. He won a Rose Bowl MVP at The Ohio State. The list goes on and on, this man's resume. He wore number seven at Ohio State, linking him to the great Dwayne Haskins of The Ohio State, who now wears number seven for our Washington Redskins. I just know this is going to be a great conversation. I'm ready. You ready, Tiffany? I'm ready. Let's jump right into it. Welcome to the show, Cornelius. Well, thank you, um, Tiffany and Alana. It's my pleasure being on today. Oh, we absolutely appreciate it. We appreciate it. it. You're a D.C. native. You uh, ended up at the Ohio State. Your resume is huge, fully padded, Rose Bowl MVP. Like t- walk us down that that lane of like how that how that even came to and how that felt winning a Rose Bowl and being MVP. Right. Well, you know, um, going back, being a native Washingtonian, and then growing up in you know I'm 66 now, so you know times had changed um, drastically since they are today. And I was Ohio State's um, first African American quarterback they had ever recruited since the school um, had its first team in 1890. And I was recruited in 1972. So you can see how long that was um, before Ohio State even had an African-American quarterback. 
even before I could even mm-hmm. think about being a Rose Bowl MVP at that time. So um, going to being being from Washington D.C., going to Paul Lawrence Dunbar, I was a three sports All American. I had over 100 football scholarships, had about 30 to 40 basketball scholarships, and I had got drafted in baseball in the second round. And so um, my parents didn't have a lot of money, and so their goal was for me to go to college. So um, I, I gave I, I gave up that money opportunity in baseball, and I chose uh, the Ohio State University. And uh, first year, my freshman year, um, I, I – Got a lot of um, racial letters. I was averaging about 50, 60 letters from the Klan every week and death threats mm. on the phone. So um, after my sophomore, after my freshman year, I got to start my sophomore year, and we went 10-0-1 and went to the Rose Bowl. And I, at 19, um, I won the Most Viable Player Award. And you know how you mentioned you were the first African-American quarterback to start at Ohio State. How do you think the NFL – is doing especially for diversity now well i'm very happy with the diversity in terms of african-american quarterbacks in the league because you know your top quarterbacks in the leagues are african-american even starting with Mahomes from kansas city his dad is african-american and then the most viable player in the league is, is the quarterback with the baltimore ravens who's african-american so i i think we're fine there but um mm. I, I just think when the league has so many african-americans I think we should have people in, in head coaching positions, more African-Americans in head coaching positions than we have right now, and, and more people, in, in more African-Americans in executive positions as well. I was just going to say, you know, we've seen that over and over that sometimes African-Americans, I mean, statistically speaking, African-Americans learn better when there is an African-American in coaches, teachers, professors along the line. Uh, how do we start to make that change to have more african-american coaches at the forefront well the rule is right there they got the rooney rule now mr rooney was one of the original owners of the pittsburgh steelers and he came in with that rule to state that before you hire any coach some minorities have to be interviewed and it doesn't seem like that's been happening as much in the last three years um i i, I don't think most african-americans got a fair shot in regards to trying to get a head coaching job or one of the top executive jobs um, in, in the NFL. Right. I think a lot of that is going to change after Eric Bieniemy completely broke apart the defense for the 49ers in that fourth quarter. I think he might he might get a look. I mean, Eric, Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach at this point in time. I just think uh, he's been the offensive coordinator for Kansas City. I mean, uh, Mahomes won the MVP last year under his tutelage and play calling. And then this year they win the Super Bowl on his tutelage and play calling. So I really don't know what, what Eric has to do to prove himself. I think he's already had proven himself the last four years. I just hope the NFL um, gets his act together and, get, and give Eric a, a fair interview and a fair opportunity to get a head coaching job. But, you know, you also guys got to be careful – in terms of what jobs are out there available, you know, because a lot of times when you go in there and you take a team that's two and fourteen, you know, there's no way in the world you're going to turn that team around in two years, and that's what's been happening to the few minority coaches that have been selected to be head coaches. You know, they got to come in and, and and coach a team that doesn't have a good record, that doesn't have good personnel, 
And then they went to work miracles and changed that team around overnight. Yeah, like the Miami Dolphins. But uh, just yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> just to circle back, being the first black quarterback star at the Ohio State, and Dwayne Haskins kind of being your ascension, how did yeah. how do you think there's been a progression? He's being looked at. He's going to be the guy for the Redskins next year. Uh, how far have you guys come as uh, Ohio State, and what does Dwayne Haskins mean for you guys? Well, I mean, Dwayne's dad and I are very good friends. Let's start there. So, uh, and, he, and he calls me number seven. His dad does. So, I mean, uh, Dwayne's dad was a big fan of mine when I was at Ohio State, and and now look at Dwayne is there now wearing, wearing the same number I wore, number seven. So, uh, and, and Dwayne is now here with the Washington Risk. And so, you know, kind of quietly, you know, I kind of like living my, my career kind of through through him now. And, you know, he's got the shot because um, I was like 180, 185, like six feet, six one. You know, of course, you know, Dwayne has the height and the size. And those were the criteria I didn't have. And those were the excuses that they used on me why I, I didn't have the opportunity to play in the NFL. So, yes, I, I, I'm one of Dwayne Haskins, Jr., biggest fans here in the Washington area. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans for sure. Right. Uh, Ron Rivera earlier in the season before, uh, he mentioned how they want to develop Haskins in different areas and especially putting key players around him you know, to help out with the game. Is there any area that you've seen that Haskins needs to develop? Well, just reading defenses right off right off the top. I mean, if you can't read a defense, then it's going to be very difficult for you to play in the NFL. You know, that that's why Peyton Manning and, and all your top quarterbacks are so good because they know how to read defenses so well. So, and, and, and Dwayne is a, it, it studies very hard. He's a quick learner. I, I just didn't think the Redskins put him in a, a good situation to succeed last year. Um, with Gruden's play calling were horrible. And then when Hassan's got his opportunity, they just was having him throw these little short passes and handing the ball off. And, and that was a key for destruction. And, and I, I just hope Ron Rivera um, comes in with, with some type of offensive scheme that was much better than he had with Cam Newton. Because obviously you see what kind of shape Cam Newton's is in right now. He's all mm-hmm. broken up. So hopefully Ron... Rivera doesn't come in trying to have Haskins run the ball as much as as he had uh, Cam Newton running the ball. Well, it's interesting that you brought that up because I was speaking to someone about, of course, the progression of the black quarterback, and we brought up Rodney Pete and how he wouldn't run, and so he got ran out of the league. And so you see guys like uh, Patrick Mahomes who are more pocket quarterbacks and right. I think I can see a lot of that in Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, he can run, but he's a pocket-type guy. And if you give him right. an opportunity to not throw those short routes but maybe throw it deep, um, that he can be something special and not just be the prototypical uh, black quarterback. You know, and, and that's amazing. You guys are really shocked by bringing up Rodney Pete's name. <laughs> Rodney is a good friend <laughs> of mine as well. And, and Rodney um, gave me the biggest compliment because – you know, he didn't see many black quarterbacks in college, and he said I was one of his idols, and, and I encouraged him to want to stay yeah. at quarterback. And, 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 of course, you know, Rodney was trying to change the mode because, you know, most quarterbacks like myself, 
you know, did run the ball quite a bit. And it was only because I was in a running offense. But when I was in the high school, I threw 32 touchdowns when we was in a passing offense. So I could convert to to the type of offense that I was in. Just unfortunately, I was at Ohio State playing under Woody Hayes, whose um, his, 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 his whole demeanor was about three yards in a cloud of dust. That might be four yard time, but what that means is just run, 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 and don't. Yeah, pass. run, run, <laughs> right. Yeah, I think we were part of that Michael Vick era, so we 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 know a little bit of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know how looking at Ron Rivera, just how he's approaching building a new team from the ground up, and that he really uh, during the Super Bowl he went on a couple of shows and said, you know, we're going to take a look at everybody. We're going to break it down. We're going to interview players. We're going to scout players. We're really weighing our options. So he's not leading towards a significant player. Do you think this is a great mindset for a coach that is basically building a team from nothing again? Well, every coach, I mean, a smart coach would say that all jobs are open. Everything's available. And that, that's pretty much a standard talk that any coach will have. Um, but I, I know, like, behind the behind the door, Ron already knows who's going to be on his team, who's, who's, who's going to um, make the Redskins successful. But um, we, we have so many holes to fill. I mean, offensive line, um, wide receivers. Um, we, we got Terry McLaurin, uh, um, which, which had a great rookie season. But you can't have three or four rookies at wide receivers and have a rookie quarterback. That's just... A, a, that's mm-hmm. a disaster waiting, you know. So yeah. hopefully we we can get Dwayne with <laughs> some veterans in here to kind of help him and help guide him as well. Um, and that that's what that's what they need a little more veteran leadership in in regards to wide receiver and offensive line. And of course, I thought our defense was pretty good last year, but once the season started, I didn't realize how horrible we were. I guess we we need a lot of defensive guys as well. I I hope not. I hope that Jack Del Rio can put the pieces (laughs) together because, like you said, we just have so many gaps offensively. And when you're dealing with a young quarterback, a quarterback that we don't need to throw him to the fire like we did this season. We need to put some pieces around him. Right, and and I agree. And and the pieces are around him, and and hopefully – when we were talking about the defense, um, the Redskins had the second pick this season, and, and hopefully another Ohio State Buckeye will be coming here to watch the Redskins <laughs> and Chase Young. Right. You know, I know the Young's family um, pretty good. Um, my son went to to, to DeMatha, so, of course, Chase Young mm-hmm. went to DeMatha, so um, I'm kind of a quiet stag. That's the DeMatha's uh, um, um, name as well, the DeMatha yeah. stag, so... Um, hopefully Chase Daniels can come and help that defense out. And, and one good thing I like about Ron Rivera, now I hope this works because Ron is like an old-school type coach, and he's hiring mm. old-school type assistant coaches. Now, I don't know if, if – if, 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 and we're not a veteran team, so we got a lot of young players on the team. I, I just hope they're able to coincide with one another. Um, you know, a lot of times these, these young kids just don't want to conform to, to old-style – type of coaching but um, Mm -hmm. hopefully they can meet in the middle and have some balance and I was going to ask you that too of just you know playing at the highest level going to an amazing college what have you seen how has there been any areas that you think the NFL has changed 
from the time that you played in it to now? Um, size. You know, when I played, um, you had to be like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, like 230. Of course, I was like 6'1", 185. So I didn't meet that standard. <laughs> then, you know, I was more so a running style quarterback, so I didn't meet that standard. So the NFL ain't wanted any of that. You know, they wanted tall, big pocket passing quarterbacks. You know, that's why Doug Williams was a year behind me. Doug Williams and I are very good friends. And, of course, Doug, 6'3", 6'4", 220, 235. He fit the mode for them, and he was a pocket passer. So he was perfect um, with the NFL wanted. But when um, I think when the Redskins and San Francisco came in with Kaepernick and then the Redskins had RG3, and, and you know, in the NFL, um, the defense does not cover the quarterback. No one covers the quarterback. So that's why when, when RG3 and Kaepernick were started running the option, that's why it was so successful. And, and now the defenses are, are do assign someone to the quarterback now, and that's why it's not so successful. And you see more teams are going away from the RG3 type quarterbacks, except the Ravens. You know, the Ravens are yeah. the only ones that run this type of special offense uh, where the quarterback runs an option type um, offense. But most most defenses, like you said, they're they're only probably about that one or two percent that run an offense like that. But the NFL is changing drastically. Um, you look at Russell Wilson in uh, Seattle, how he runs around, and and he runs around just enough to just mm-hmm. just to make make just them enough. successful. <laughs> yes, and, and he's smart. And he's smart. Where RG three didn't know how to slide and get down and not take those hard hits. But Russell and and, and, and the um, the kid, I'm losing my his name in Houston, who's very Murray. good. No, not Tyler Murray. They, um, he went to Clemson. Is very good. Uh, where's number four? I'm just losing oh, my my name now. But he's he's very good, um, and he's an African American quarterback as well. Mm-hmm. He scrambles and runs around a lot. So I mean, uh, the future is very high for quarterbacks coming out of college to want to look and playing um, pro ball. Yeah, there's a lot of progression. But what you talked about with Chase Young and Dwayne Haskins and yourself, these are these are all DMV kids, and yeah. um, and the Redskins. I well, it's not just because they're in the same conference as the Cowboys, but they're one of the teams that is very premier in a connection to the community and to the DC community. It is. I think it's great that people want to come back to the Redskins and and be a part of that environment. Can you touch on that a little bit on the DC and Redskins relationship? Well, you know. Um, Dwayne Haskins is a special kid. I mean, this kid puts Bible quotes in all of his players' lockers, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 he's always out um, helping and paying forward. Um, and Chase Young is the same type of kid, and, and um, these are the type of kids that that you you would never see driving around, um, getting pulled over, you know, DUI. Mm-hmm. Or, or acting up, you know, um, after hours. I mean, these, these kids go home and uh, um, do the right thing. So, yes, we're drafting positive kids in addition to DMV um, kids who know this area and can be so positive for our, our young youth today, especially in park and recreation. And, and hopefully they'll they're get out in the community and, and, and give back um, pretty much like I'm doing now at St. Albans School. Just touching on about social media, 
Kapuli has been evolving over the years and you see a lot of football players use social media to help brand their image and it's a way for them to connect with supporters and fans. Uh, recently, Darius had tweeted, I cannot wait to see how it feels to seal uh, the Super Bowl as a running back. And a lot of people took to that tweet just saying, you know, he's been injured for how many seasons? He's obviously can play at LSU on the collegiate level, but is he able to play on, you know, the NFL level? What do you? What is your thoughts, especially with social media and with players, and how fans intertwine with all of that? Well, we didn't have social media in our day, and now social media has come on like gangbusters. And I think a lot of the, the athletes got to be very, very careful with social media. I mean, it, it can make or break you. Um, one little word could could be turned around, and and that one word could make someone confused in terms of what your actual message was. So, yeah, social media is, is a good thing, and, and it could be a bad thing. Um, of course, like the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver um, slash Oakland Raiders, Raiders wide receiver mm-hmm. that just got cut, and, and now he's using social media. And this is just a negative thing. I mean, all, all the things he's been saying have been negative and puts a negative light uh, on his image. So, but I mean, um, this is the era you guys are living in. Uh, I'm like an old fogey when it comes to like social <laughs> media, you know. But I wish I had it when I was playing. My goodness, you can surely use it to your advantage. But I mean, you almost gotta like walk a tightrope on it as well. And, and I applaud you two young ladies for this podcast. Um, oh, uh, I mean, this is form of social media too, and you guys are really good. Oh, well, we oh thank you so that. much. Uh, you're welcome. We, uh, well, I, I went to Howard University and I, I know that I've been, I was in the DC DMV area for a couple years, for four years, five years. And I know that there has been a lot of controversy surrounding the name of the Redskins. Right. Cal just did a study that said that, no, the name is actually looking worse and people are trying to figure out why this is still a thing what is your opinion on it because you you have been in dc and i know a lot of fans they're attached to the name they don't want to see the name go well let's say this let's start here where did the redskins come from first of all they came from boston they were the boston redskins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right the washington redskins and then there's a there's something else that's attached to the redskins george preston marshall the original owner of the Redskins was one of the most racist owners in the league. The Washington Redskins was the last team to get a black player. Yes. That's why there's yeah. so many Dallas fans here in the Washington, D.C. area, because we didn't have any black players. And Dallas did. So you got to understand the history, first of all, mm-hmm. um, of Washington Redskins. And Bobby Mitchell was our first African-American player to play for the Washington Redskins, and we got him in the trade from Cleveland because the Redskins didn't want to draft the Heisman Trophy winner out of Syracuse, whose name I'm forgetting right now, and he ended up going to Cleveland. So, yeah, Bobby Mitchell was our first African-American player, and that's why there's so many Dallas fans here because the Redskins were the last team to get a black player in the league, and then in addition to... Back in the 40s and 50s, they thought the Redskins meant power and stuff like that. 
But obviously, um, people are on both sides of the fence. And, you know, I'm, I'm now almost calling the Redskins a Washington team because I, yeah. I, I think I'm on that side now that it is offensive. So, I mean, that, that's the history of it. Um, from my opinion um, and from how I see it, you know, how um, you have so many Dallas fans here that go back generations and generations that remember how the um, Redskins, George Preston Marshall, the owner, um, how racist he was. Right. Right. And hopefully it. maybe down the line that they will change change the name, um, hopefully. Yeah, you maybe. know, and, and what, what, what's tough, ladies, is is the naming rights. You know, I mean, the Redskins, that name, I mean, you put up that name and that picture with, the, I mean, everybody over the world knows that logo and, and, and name. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm wondering that the owner feels that he's going to be losing millions and millions of dollars by changing the name. But we got to start somewhere because what's going to end up being a problem if the Redskins wants to move back into D.C., which they want, want to do. But if the uh, D.C. government is against the name and majority of the land or RFK stadium where they would like to build uh, a new stadium, that land is owned by federal government and the federal government is totally against that name. So I don't know where we go from there. Well, they have mm-hmm, to be, right. they have to be, they'll be, <laughs> they'll never hear the end of it if they're not. But just going back to Rivera building his team, um, a lot of players like McCoy, uh, James Bradbury from, you know, the Panthers, they've talked really highly and respect Rivera as a coach. And even uh, James Bradbury, he said in an interview that he would love to play for Rivera again, but he would like to also uh, to finish out, you know, his career with the Panthers. Do you think Rivera is going to look at his players at the Panthers and maybe try to recruit with, uh, towards them? Well, uh, no doubt about it. I, I think they, they, they tight end who's been a perennial all-pro is looking at coming here as well. And you know, um, one thing about Rivera, I want to say he's a former player. And current players like playing for former players. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's tough playing for, a lot, for some coaches who never played ball before and just coach. Um, a lot of those type of coaches have special relationships with, with the players. But one thing about Rivera, the players respect him because he he played, and, and that's one good thing I like about Rivera. I think he gained a lot of a lot of respect from the players because he can he can talk a language that the players understand because he was once a player and, and he knows what players go through. And I just want to circle back to the Cam Newton situation, and he he's got a ton of different injuries. Um, I, I know that he's nowhere near the end of his career, but speaking to Dwayne Haskins in the beginnings of his career, uh, being with Ron Rivera, what things do you want Ron Rivera to implement from his time with Cam Newton, and what things do you want him to leave? Well, I, uh, I, I want us to have a great running game to um, help Has- Haskins in his passing game, because when you got a good running game, that makes your play actions very good. But um, we was we just got devastated last year at the tight end position. You know, our all-pro tight end um, had a concussion, and then Vernon Davis got hurt, and he was out. Then our other two tight ends were not pass 
catchers. They they couldn't run routes well or get deep, and they were more so blocking type of tight end. So hopefully we can get a a, a, a tight end that can run routes, deep routes, in short routes to help Haskins out, and hopefully we can get a few extra um, linemen. So I know Ron Rivera likes to run the ball. Um, um, he likes to run a lot of play-action passes, and, and hopefully this can be the Haskins' advantage. And, you know, Rivera continues to look at different players, and he's giving, like you said, being a former player, he has a different mindset, and he's optimistic about players. So, for instance, he talk, recently talked about Trent Williams and that he's willing, that he wants him to play for him again. Um, and hopefully they can rekindle the relationship. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think we got a, I think the relationship looks very, very bright. And mm-hmm. I just, for the life of me, could not believe the Redskins kept the same, the, the same medical doctor <laughs> who told Trent Williams he was okay. My right. God, and then the kid finds out he got almost had cancer and brain damage and all this stuff, and, and the Redskins still keep that doctor? That's insane. Man. I wouldn't have came back either if I was Williams. No, no, they, um, they got to come to one of doctor examine you like that. Just think about that. <laughs> you you know, lose the trust. Uh, I mean, trust was gone, you know, and, and it made the risk is look like they wanted to win at all costs. <laughs> Put that guy out there who's mm. got a big knot on his head, you know, and, 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 and who knows what's going to happen if, if, if he gets a concussion, you know, or, or can die on the field. Right. Um, we just want to win the game, and, and that's how it looked like the Redskins were. Obviously, I don't think they like that, but that's the picture that they painted. And, and with Ron Rivera, as soon as he came in, he, he just got rid of that whole uh, medical team and just cleaned house. And so hopefully, um, whoever they pick now to be the trainer, hope he has an excellent reputation, and hopefully Williams can call someone who this trainer had worked along with and hope they give him, you know, a, a good recommendation in regards to him being a good trainer so Williams can feel very good in case he does get re-injured or something and, and he knows he'll be in good hands. Right, right. I know that Ron Rivera brought in his Panthers trainer, so he has a close relationship with this guy. And I think that, you know, the Panthers have had a good history, uh, except for Cam Newton, but I think that was more on his body body wear and tear and going going all those plays. But I think that the future is bright. There is a bright spot there with Trent Williams. I think, in honesty, we can't afford to lose any of our free agent linemen. We need them all, and we need some additions. So, <laughs> and, and, and I agree with you, and, and in terms of Trent Williams, we can't afford to let someone that good not play all season either. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we got right. crushed this year for not having our best player on the team sitting at home. So hopefully we can clear that up. Right. And I don't want to keep you any longer. I we appreciate okay. your time. Uh, mm-hmm. One final question. And it's sure. more of like for Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you saw him through this year. If you, if you had to say something to him in preparation, a new coach – whole new slate, uh, what would you say? Well, right now I would tell Dwayne to go meet with, with um, the new head coach ASAP 
find out the quarterback coach who I understand, I think it's Noah Turner's son. I think mm-hmm. it's the offensive coordinator. Um, go over to that guy's house. Make sure y'all spend three or four hours together per day. Get this system down way before you come into camp so you can be way ahead of the game. And just unfortunately, Dwayne Haskins has to learn a whole new system over again, ladies and ladies. So, I mean, he's going to have to start all over like on training wheels (laughs) all over again. So, So let's pray for brothers Dwayne Haskins, Jr. But it's not a good, it's not a good picture to learn two systems in your first two years in the league. It's not, it's not, but I, I think that... <laughs> but he'll be able to do it. Especially yes, since he will. he's coming out. Book guy. He's very smart. Oh, uh-huh, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Cornelius. We appreciate no, you. My pleasure. Thank look, you. Um, I look forward to coming back on. All you guys got to do is give me a call, okay? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. All right. Take care. Take care. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Riled Up. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. Cornelius Green, the GOAT of the Ohio State, the original black quarterback, the original black Ohio State quarterback, he got it done. We're hoping that our guy Dwayne Haskins, the ascension of Cornelius Green, can get it done for us, the Redskins, like our guy Patrick Mahomes got it done. And so, thank you. Again, I'm Tiffany Hoyt. You can hit me up on Instagram at TTAlegend or on Twitter at Tiffany Hoyt. That's T-T-A-L-E-G-E-N-D and T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-H-O-Y-D on Twitter. And Alana Bearfield, you can hit her up on Instagram and Twitter at A-L-L-A-N-A-B-A-R-E-F-I-E-L-D. All right, that's Alana Bearfield. Run that back again one more time, Alana. (laughs) A-L-L-A-N-A-B-A-R-E-F-I-E-L-D. All right, ladies and gentlemen, remember to stay riled up.